following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 162, U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, 2018, Day 2. Coming up in this episode, the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to a special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. After attending the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018 in Sebring, Florida, we decided to put together all the day's events. This is day two, and with all the hours of interviews, we wanted you to experience the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo just like we did. Uh, The second day of the event was on Thursday, and it was all sorts of fun with many vendors and visitors attending. You know, don't forget to visit the show notes for the links to all the different products and services in this episode. Before we begin, our sponsor, a shout out to AviationCareersPodcast.com for career coaching, scholarships for all ages, and inspiring you to reach your aviation career goal through a free podcast. Visit AviationCareersPodcast.com. Well, day two of interviews, a really cool list that we have here. First of all, we spoke with actually a listener, uh, Aeropilot L600, Alex Williams. He's a chief pilot for AeropilotUSA.com. We discussed flying the Aeropilot L600 and following your dream of flying an airplane. And to add to that, the next guest of AOPA You Can Fly, Jamie Beckett. He's the AOPA You Can Fly ambassador. He encourages you to pursue your dream of flying through their many initiatives. Whether you're a new pilot or an experienced airline pilot, Jamie will show you how to get back into flying small airplanes or get started in flying small airplanes. Our next interview is with Lieutenant Billy Bonner of the Public Affairs of NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. You know, Lieutenant Bonner is excited to be flying for NOAA, but wants you to realize there are many career fields within the agency that are fun and exciting. I'm sure you will really enjoy this interview with Lieutenant Bonner. The next interview is with CFI Boot Camp Mike Shiflett, the Director of Training at CFIBootCamp.com. And we want you to know why you should pursue your sport pilot Flight Instructor Certificate. Really interesting information. If you want to become a flight instructor, one of the, well, the quickest paths towards that is through your Sport Pilot Flight Instructor Certificate. Of course, they have all information for all the different instructor certificates, and you can get your CFI right there. Start online, then go to the training facility. It's a great way to do it efficiently and also uh, do it well, and that's really important. Next guest was Greg Ellsworth, sales executive and account manager with Aviation Insurance Resources. He discusses insuring your light sport aircraft. In addition to all your aircraft needs, he discusses the show. And don't forget, Victoria Neuville, our co-host, is part of Aviation Insurance Resources. Great interview with Greg. Next interview is with Don Roll. He is the president of Sensenic Propellers. And he discusses the interesting history of the propeller company icon. 
You know, he he also discusses the advantages of both wood and composite propellers. Really interesting interview and really exciting to listen to somebody who went from the mailroom to being the president of Sensenik Propellers, an icon both in Pennsylvania and also near the Sport Aviation Expo in Plant City, Florida. Our last interview was with John Rathmel. He's a partner and sales manager with Bristol Aircraft. He discusses the art of defying gravity in their attractive and uncomfortable aircraft. John discusses why Bristol is selling out of inventory so quickly and why you should join the many people flying the aircraft. Really inspiration indivi- inspiring individual, and boy, he was there all through the wind. It was quite the windy day that day, but it was a lot of fun to discuss airplanes with everybody, both inside and out- outside in the outdoor events. Hell, folks, this is Carl Valeri, Stuck Mike Avcast, reporting here at 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring. And I am actually with somebody who's listened to the Stuck Mike Avcast and is also an exhibitor here. And he's with Aeropilot and is, is showcasing the L600. Charles Williams from Aeropilot. Charles, welcome to the podcast, first of all, and thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for having me here. This is great. We're having a good time at the show. You know, it was interesting, before we get talking about the airplane, something you said it was kind of piqued my interest. Uh, you were saying that you do a lot of cross-country flying in this airplane from show to show. You were talking some flights 55 hours? That's right. Uh, we're based in, in Los Angeles, and it seems that Florida is the aviation capital of the country, so uh, at least a good four, five, six times a year, I'm, uh, I'm coast to coast and back in a light sport and, you know, doing, doing 2,200 nautical miles in each direction. So I've gotten through some podcasts. <laughs> I, I can imagine so. So let's talk a little bit about the light sport. Light sport, is a, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's, it's really, uh, everybody who's asking questions, is this going to survive? You don't hear those questions anymore, do you? Well, we've, we've, we've survived uh, third-class medical reform, and I think we've proved that the, the category is here to stay and there's a lot of great airplanes that wouldn't really work in any other category. I more than agree. Now let's talk about this. Let's paint a picture here. I've got a high-wing aircraft, sleek-looking. It's called the L600 Aeropilot, and a beautiful-looking plane, by the way. That's why uh, we decided to take this, a picture of this first. Tell us a little bit about this aircraft and how it's different than some of the other light sports. Well, we're... We're basically following the, the Wichita model, but with, with modern construction. We're all carbon fiber. Uh, we're getting airplanes down to uh, as little as 700 pounds, uh, you know, ready to fly. Put some fuel in it, and you're ready to go. So 600 pounds, useful load is, is not uncommon to see. Um, we're doing anything from your, your basic steam gauge, six-pack trainer, uh, on up to the, the airplane we're sitting in front of now. has got a, a full Dynan Skyview HDX suite with you know, coupled autopilot and synthetic vision. Um, so, I mean, we, we, we really aim to, to check any box that you're looking to. Uh, the, the, the primary uh, mission statement, if I, if I had to say for this airplane, is, is a practical, useful LSA. It's, we're, we're catering less to the, to the weekend toy and more to a reasonable airplane that can actually fit the role of uh, maybe a more traditional GA, GA pilot. By that meaning, you can do a lot more cross country. It's a little more comfortable. Tell us a little bit about the width and also its uh, range. Well, we were uh, big cabin. Uh, I, I believe we're, we're three inches wider than a 172 in the hips, as as we've got the tri motor here, <laughs> and um, we've got 34 gallons of fuel on board. And you know, throttle back and cruise the Rotax series, burning four gallons an hour. I mean, 
I've got more more range than my than my body does. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yes, my bladder can't outlast most of these light sports, and it definitely would outlast this. Talking about uh, this aircraft and operating expenses, we also need to talk about price points. Uh, getting into this airplane, looking at uh, financing it, what do we estimate as far as a good starting point and also with all the options? We uh, we start at 99. Uh, that'll get you a 912 ULS uh, and you know analog gauges. It's it's not a Spartan airplane, but it also doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Uh, the the Cadillac that we're standing in front of here today comes in at about 130 right now at current pricing. Uh, well, that that's pretty good. Brand new airplane too. Brand brand new airplane. We've got we've got some financing lined up as well. Uh, so you know, if if a guy wants to get into a, a new airplane, but maybe doesn't have that to put down right right this moment, uh, there's still some options there. Awesome. If you don't mind, I want to take a, a quick peek inside, and and as we're looking here, the the Dynon, the the autopilot, the just just the fact that it's it's all composite. Boy, it really is sleek looking. It is. Yeah. You know the 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 basic. Uh, I'll say it again. The Wichita shape uh, doesn't look as slippery as you as as you think. But when you get rid of all the rivets and you get rid of the wavy skin and you have an all composite airframe, uh, it's a it's a slippery airplane. You know, we'll do 120 knots on four four and a half gallons an hour. So on this airplane, how long you've been manufacturing it? How long has it been around? And uh, what are you looking towards in the future? We're uh, seven years in seven countries. Uh, we've been in the U.S. for 18 months. We debuted Oshkosh 2016. Uh, we're we're really starting to pick up some steam. We've got East Coast representation now. Uh, maybe I won't be making so many coast to coast flights anymore. But <laughs> I'll does that mean you won't listen to the podcast? I think I'll I'll find time. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Well, I tell you what, one of the things that really excites me about some of these new LSAs, yours in particular, is the fact that they are good looking too. One of the things that I, I felt in the beginning is some weren't the best looking planes. This is sleek looking. You got to take a, a peek at it. By the way, if you get a chance, go to our Facebook page. We'll have a picture of this. Go to our Twitter account. Uh, it's a day two of uh, the Sebring show. Let me ask you this. How's the show going? How do you like it so far? This is this is one of our favorite favorite shows. Uh, we, we've done this uh, last year, this year, and every year in the future I think we'll be here it's a uh, it's it's not the the grand spectacle of, of Oshkosh or even Sun and Fun but it's a it's a it's a tight-knit you kind of you get to spend some time with people you don't have 10,000 people a day coming through we get to we get to get you know we get to know you and with that said uh, you know talking to the folks here is the, the gosh the sales are really up this year and I think you're gonna have a busy weekend we're on day two here we're not the weekend warriors yet and boy they're gonna be coming out aren't they that's right uh, it seems like every show for the last year there's been been steam picking up I mean we get more and more interest and, and more and more buyers seems seems like by the month well, we're speaking with Charles Williams at Aeropilot and uh, where can they find you by the way on the internet uh, websites aeropilotusa.com that's our, our US distribution site um, we've got uh, Dion Lombard is our uh, master distributor for the Americas and we can get a hold of us here you know, we were talking before uh, that you had formerly been in radio. Just talk a little bit about that. You decided to, to leave that and get into aviation. I think that that's totally cool. Tell us a little bit about that journey, real quickly. I've uh, I, I've been I've been flying since I was knee high to a duck. My uh, my dad was an army helicopter pilot, but I went to school for engineering and right out of college, uh, got a job at a radio station as a chief engineer and. Did that for a number of years while flying as a as a private pilot with the little bit of money I had on the side. Every dollar of it went into went into renting a, a ratty old 172, <laughs> and and uh, I finally got to a point where I took the leap and I quit my job. And now, 
I get to do what uh, what maybe most of your listeners work real hard to do on their weekends. I get to call that my job now. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. I, I, and I love your story. And I love the fact that you've taken your passion and, and you've run with it, especially here in general aviation and Stuck Mike Avcast. We really love to promote people that go into general aviation jobs and actually making a living and having fun with it, too. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, real quickly, as far as us getting in touch with you in the future, on the website is the best way to do it. Where are you going to be in your next shows? I think you said uh, Sun and Fun in Oshkosh. Yeah, we've got Sun and Fun uh, coming in April. Um, I think we've got Copper State in Arizona. There may be another one, uh, May in Arizona, uh, Oshkosh, Deland. Uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to run the full circuit. So, terrific. Well, we'll look forward to seeing Charles Williams and also the the rest of the gang at Aeropilot again. The website is AeropilotUSA.com. AeropilotUSA.com. Thanks for talking to us. Anything else you want to mention about the aircraft before we go? No, I'm all I'm all good here. Just come see us, and we'll 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 give you a demo ride. Maybe uh, Sun and Fun, wherever you can meet up with us, we'd love to take you flying. Awesome. We're going we're gonna to take you up on that. This is Carl Valera reporting for Stuck Mike Avcast right here at Sebring 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Really good-looking airplane, airplane here, this L600. Got to check it out. Look at the pictures on the Internet. Well, folks, Carl Valeri with uh, Stuck Mike Avcast here at the 2018 Sebring Show U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, and I'm actually here with one of my favorite guests, and that's Jamie Beckett, one of the most excited people about aviation I know. And uh, one of the one great things is what you're doing for aviation. I, I really commend you for what you're doing out there, reaching out and getting people involved in many different ways, and those ways are what you're doing here today. So welcome to the podcast. Tell us what, a little bit about what you're doing here. Well, thanks, Carl. I appreciate it. I'm here at the show as in my function as an AOPA ambassador. I taught a uh, how to form and operate a flying club seminar yesterday, and, and those are great. I, I belong to a flying club. I love that. Today I'm doing a seminar on what the You Can Fly initiative is that AOPA's got going on, and tomorrow I'll be doing one of our ever-popular Rusty Pilot programs, which has literally gotten thousands of pilots back in the air, who, many of whom thought they were never going to find their way back to the cockpit. I love all the programs that you're doing. And tell us a little bit first where they can find out about while they're listening right now on the Internet. You know, if you uh, Google or Bing or whatever, just you can fly or AOPA, you can fly. It'll take you right to the page. There's all sorts of stuff. And whether you're a high school student, whether you're an active pilot, whether you haven't flown in 30 years, whether you're just thinking about maybe someday I might want to get involved in aviation, there's something there for you, including scholarships. So get in there, take a look at it, and see how we can help you because that's what we do. You know, the You Can Fly initiative has really come forward. It's really changed a lot. So what what's happened now? What's happening with AOPA and the You Can Fly initiative now? How has it changed? You know, what's exciting about it is that three years ago when we first talked about this and I had just begun, there were two ambassadors out there. I, I was here in Florida and Kay Sunderland was in Southern California. There are now five of us spread out through the country and we've got a flying club manager back in Frederick. We've got all sorts of resources. It, it really is Mark Baker and the board's vision. How do we turn the pilot numbers around. So we're working at the high school level. And, and by the way, in Frederick, there is a You Can Fly Academy, an entire building dedicated to this where we can do online teaching. We've got an auditorium where, where teachers and flight school owners can come in and learn best practices. We do scholarships for high school students. And of course, the five ambassadors are really critical to it because we're the man on the street. We're the people out in the field. We'll come to your school. We'll come to your flight school. We'll come to your flying club. We'll come to your house. Whatever you need, we'll find the resources to get you where you want to be. And it is having an effect. The pilot numbers are turning around. 
not just things like basic med, which is incredibly successful, but the Rusty Pilot, the high school issue. We've got 29 high schools in the United States using a free STEM curriculum that AOPA provides. And, and that's going to pay dividends 10, 20, 30 years from now with people getting in, both for recreational purposes and as careers. Yeah, you can see the numbers now. It's going to increase. It's great what you're doing. The, the interesting thing is that all these initiatives are really outreach to everybody. It's not just people that want to be pilots. People that are interested in aviation, you don't have to fly, do you? Oh, no. We even have a drone section where, where you can join AOPA as a drone member. We have lots of resources. I, I have a 107 ticket myself because they are kind of fun. But you're right. It's not just about pilots. It's not just about mechanics. If you just want to enjoy aviation in some form, we can help you in some way. And, and we've got this great community of people who can be supportive about that. The Rusty Pilots Program, and I commend you on that one too. The fact that you're reaching out, well, not just to people that haven't flown 172s, you're reaching out to people that fly other types of airplanes too. And these are people that have 20,000 hours. You know who I'm talking about. Yep. So those airline pilots are saying, God, I would never get one of those. They're rusty pilots too because the fact they haven't flown something small. It is a difference, isn't there? Well, it, it's an interesting point and I'm glad you bring it up because you can have a very proficient airline pilot or military pilot who has no idea how to get this light sport aircraft behind you out of a hangar and onto the runway at a non-towered airport. That's a different thing. The great diversity of aviation is its strength and its weakness. And Rusty Pilot allows us to work with those people and give them confidence, connect them to flight instructors, put them right on the ramp so they can go back and do what they want to do and do it affordably. You know, some of our listeners that are fighter pilot friends that, that listen in, this is exactly what you were asking. And, and I know you're embarrassed to even ask. You're flying an F-18, and but you have no idea how to put gas in the plane. Yep. Well, through the Rusty Pilots program, you help them. Oh, yeah. I've got a guy in my flying club, and we were just flying in my air cam recently. He flew S-3 Vikings for the Navy off ships. This guy's got training and experiences I could never do. And we're flying along in the air cam at 500 feet, and I, he's behind me. And I said, hey, you okay being this low? He goes, oh, the, I'm comfortable at 200 feet. It's the 60 knots that's freaking me out. So that's the thing. We all have different experience, and by doing that rusty pilot, by getting out there and talking to people at airports, we can help you find a good fit to do the thing you want to do. Because you know what? If you're a fighter pilot or if you're an airline pilot, you can do this. You're just a little far removed from it. You just need an introduction, and you're set. It's STEM program, Rusty Pilots, everything that you're doing is great. The outreach, it's evolved just like the U.S. Sport Aviation has evolved. It was all about light sport, and the questions were, hey, is this going to survive? It's here to stay. And and you folks and also the folks here, I commend for, for what they're doing within the community in aviation. We love flying, don't we? And we love being up in the air. There's nothing like it. If you haven't been there in a while, tell you what, it's a really cool world, isn't it? It is, and I really do have to commend this show because of basic med. You know, we used to have one option, just the class three medical. Then we had two. We had sport pilot and the class three medical. Now we've got three. We've got sport pilot, basic med, and the class three medical, which means we can be here with the carbon cub or the, the Zenith 750, things that don't fit the sport pilot category, but you can still fly them if you don't want to go deal with your AME. Aviation is changing. General aviation is changing, and it's really exciting to be a part of it because whatever you want to do, anything, there's a niche for you, and you can find it. Jamie Beckett, AOPA ambassador and somebody, a friend of the podcast, somebody who's out there really who loves aviation, and I, and I really am and, and <laughs> just a little bit. And I'm always excited to talk to you, but you know what? 
you too can be an ambassador. You know, when you, you get with somebody like Jamie, you get excited about aviation, you get back into it, you can pass that along, can't you? Oh, you absolutely can, and I'm not shy about this, as you know, Carl. Call me, write me, call AOPA's main office and say, can you connect me with an ambassador near me, or can you connect me to the flying club manager there? We'll do it. We'll absolutely do it. Well, gosh, Jamie, thanks so much for always stopping by and saying hi to us at the Stuck Mike Avcast and also, of course, at Sun and Fun Radio. You're so so exciting and so excited about aviation. Uh, we can't wait to see you at the next show, but you know what's kind of interesting about Jamie? He's everywhere. He's all over the Internet. How, do you ever sleep? <laughs> A little bit here and there, but, you know, I really do love this. I, I tell people all the time, my job is indistinguishable from screwing around. <laughs> I fly around. I talk to people about aviation. I fly around some more. It, it's not digging a ditch in the sun. I love this. So it's a passion. Doesn't seem like a job when you really love it. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Jamie Beckett, thanks so much for talking to us here at the Stuck Mike Avcast 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Folks, don't forget to go out to AOPA and look for the You Can Fly initiative. You can also look at the Rusty Pilots, their STEM programs. Just Google it. You'll find them. Well, folks, this is Carl Valeri with uh, Stuck Mike Avcast here at the 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. And I'm standing next to, well, Billy Bonner. He's actually a pilot with uh, NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. And uh, he's here actually about to give a seminar. And we are so excited to listen to him. But you're all in uniform, and you're, you're, you look pretty sharp and very inspirational for, for some of the folks here looking at careers. Uh, what are you going to talk about at the uh, at the show here today? And uh, and Welcome. Sure. Thank you. Uh, today I'm going to be here at the show just presenting on the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center. We just moved our operations center from Tampa to Lakeland. So I'll just be going over the aircraft that we fly and how we keep those aircraft safe in the air. So on, uh, I think, Saturday I'll be presenting uh, our operational risk management system and how we implement that into our daily flight routine to keep our aircraft and our pilots safe. Well, that's awesome. Now, I, kn I think a lot of people don't understand exactly what NOAA does with their aircraft. Uh, you know, I, in the news, you always hear about the Hurricane Hunters, but there's there's many missions, aren't there, in aviation? Yeah, absolutely. So the big thing that we do is obviously hurricane hunting with our P-3 and our G-4. And then we also have a multitude of other aircraft. So we have five different aircraft types. The P-3, uh, we have two of those. We have a G-4 Gulfstream that we use for high altitude weather reconnaissance and atmospheric research for hurricanes. And then our lighter aircraft. We have uh, Ford de Havilland Twin Otters that we use for anything from marine mammal surveys to coastal mapping and snow survey or soil moisture analysis. We have a Gulf, uh, Gulfstream Turboprop Commander and we use that primarily for snow survey, soil water equivalents, um, and we also do GRAV-D once a year with that so we're updating the vertical datum for the United States. And then we have a Beechcraft King Air that we use for coastal mapping and emergency response. Awesome. Now, the the operation that you moved to Lake, we're real happy you're there, by the way. And 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 I had just moved to Lakeland about six months ago, and I'm I'm loving the fact that you folks are there. And you, not only are you involved in in research and also keeping us safe, et cetera, you're also really outreaching to the community. And I really commend you folks for doing that. You're always involved. Kids come by, you talk to them, and I I think that's great. One of the most important things they ask you about, I think, is is careers and and getting into this as a career. And uh, I think a lot of times they think this is there's no way I can do this. But everybody starts somewhere, right? And and so did you, right? Absolutely. And you know, we have other career paths other than just being a pilot. We have mechanics who are civil servants that um, you know, 
run the maintenance evolutions on our aircraft and things like that. So they come from that background. We have administrative staff who make sure that uh, everything runs smoothly with the center and that our budget is in control and things like of that nature. So we also have navigators that come come from the Navy. So if there are people in the Navy that want to, uh, that are navigators on a P3 and want to f- transfer over, we have inter-service transfers from the Navy as well. So all those things are what we have. So how did you get involved in, in aviation? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, I just happened to be at the uh, right place at the wrong time, I guess. I was in college, and uh, I wanted to apply for the Navy and fly fighter jets for the Navy. And uh, I was disqualified for an underlying medical condition, uh, which was a, you know, a devastating blow. But I heard about NOAA and started doing some uh, projects with NOAA in conjunction with the Gulf oil spill. So when that happened, our chemistry department, biology department, got a lot of uh, funds to do some research, and they contracted out our geography department, which is what I have a degree in, is geography, and I made some maps for the spatial distribution of the Gulf oil spill, and NOAA invited me to come down onto one of their ships, and I met some of the NOAA Corps officers on the ship, and they told me, you know, they fly airplanes too, and so I looked it up, found out about the Hurricane Hunters applied, and that's just, that's, that's how I got here. You know, there are some people that also are, are interested in drones. Uh, is there any drone programs at NOAA, or will there be in the future? Yeah, absolutely. We do use drones for some of our um, marine mammal research. So if we have an island that you want to go out and survey, you know, a bird, uh, a specific species, and you don't want to interrupt their environment, you can send a drone out there to do that, and we do that. We also deploy drones from some of our small vessels uh, that our ships have. So some of our ships have small vessels, and we'll use those drones to go out and kind of reach areas is that you wouldn't nor- normally be able to reach with an aircraft, whether it's you know trying not to disturb a right whale when it's feeding or, or birthing or anything like that. So we'll actually use a, a drone. I tell you what, this uh, NOAA is awesome. The people that are there are great because it's a society that really cares. They love their jobs and they have this amazing mission, and they're and they're making a difference. And I, I'm sure you found that. I'm sure that, that it's inspirational for you too. Yeah, absolutely. The best part of my job is actually coming out uh, as the public affairs officer and you know giving information out to the community on what we do and how we do it, and inviting people over to our hangar. I mean, it's a public facility, and anyone that wants to come by and check out our hangar is more than welcome. And you know, we have uh, we're on the field there at Lake. We have Sun and Fun every year, and we're, we'll always be there. So anytime anybody wants to come out after, you know, during Sun and Fun and view the hangar and see the aircraft, I'm sure we'll have something there. So if someone wants to go out and, and check out, no, you can't just walk in. You have to make an appointment or something? Yeah, typically what we do is... Um, school groups and educational tours and things like that so if there's a school teacher or something like that that wants to bring their their class or a couple of classes over for you know a couple hours for us to do a, a hangar tour then you would simply just uh, look up the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center or OMAO um, on your just google OMAO and that'll come up with uh, the NOAA Aircraft Operations Center and you'll probably find my name in there somewhere with my email address and you just simply send me an email and then we'll get you set up. You know, I have a lot of listeners that ask questions about uh, thinking about their careers. Uh, if they go in, it's like it's similar to the military. You you may not necessarily get the assignment you want, right? That is true. So NOAA, if you want to fly aircraft for NOAA, typically what you do is you you need to be a NOAA Corps officer, and we're the smallest uh, branch of the United States uh, services, uh, 321 NOAA Corps officers, and we drive ships and fly airplanes for NOAA. And what you would do is you would apply for one of the class, the basic officer training class. If you're accepted, you go to the Coast Guard Academy up in New London, Connecticut for Officer Candidate School. We call it BOTC, so Basic Officer Training Class. 
after five months of uh, the basic officer training class, you would probably be assigned to a ship for three years. And then after your ship tour, then you can apply for aviation. There are special cases where we need pilots immediately and we would pull someone who may or may not have pilot experience from the basic officer training class and send them directly to flight school for, for flight training. Well, that's awesome. You know, I, I think your mission's terrific. The people there are wonderful. You're great to speak to, and it's a testament as to NOAA and what they do as far as hiring is concerned. If someone wants to find out more about NOAA, there's there's places on the Internet I think you can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Just type in www.noaa.gov or type in NOAA, O-M-A-O, on your Google search, and you'll find all the information that you need from there. Well, guys, you know, it has been a pleasure speaking with you, and I think what you're doing is awesome here. Uh, and also what Noah's mission is awesome, and I'm glad you're in Lakeland. I'm really happy to have you in Lakeland and right there next to Sun and Fun. Of course, uh, I'm with Sun and Fun Radio also. One of the things that I, I think comes up in, in our questions about Noah, and, and we're going to end with this, is that, you know, I love to apply to Noah. I want to work there, but I, I'm not an expert in weather. There's all sorts of jobs at NOAA, just like you said. Yeah, absolutely. NOAA has many different line offices that range from uh, marine mammals, you know, and uh, we have satellites. So any any type of uh, career that you would like to have in NOAA, I'm sure we could find, you know, somewhere to put you. Well, Lieutenant, it's been great speaking with you, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in Lakeland and also look forward to hearing your speech here today. Again, they can go out and look at the website, and also if you want to go get a tour, if you want to schedule a tour, they're more than welcoming, and I think that's terrific. It's wonderful what you're doing. Thanks so much for speaking to us. Thanks for having me. This is Carl Valeri for Stuck Mike Afcast right here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018. Well, folks, Carl Valeri from the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting from U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018. I'm uh, speaking here and sitting in front of a booth inside, which is nice because I'm out of the, the, the breezy conditions outside, with Mike Shiflett, who's actually with the CFI Boot Camp. And he is the director of training. So before we talk about uh, so what you're doing here with the seminars, et cetera, what, what is you know, the CFI Boot Camp? Uh, CFI Boot Camp is a uh, training facility for sport pilot instructors and CFI instructors. That's all we do is flight instructor training. So we specialize just in that. And is it an online or in person, et cetera? So we have a 42-hour online course that we have the student do first. We assess their knowledge and we do some Skype or FaceTimes with them to see that they know it. Then they come to our place for seven days on the ground of comprehensive classroom work and other seven days of flight. Well, that's actually a great idea because, you know, one of the toughest things to get is your CFI and, uh, you know, everybody's all nervous about it. And I, I think using the technology is wonderful, what you're doing with Skype, et cetera. Uh, but where are you located if someone wants to get their CFI? We're located in two places. We have a place in Fort Myers, Florida, and we also have a place, our main place is in Palo Alto, California, San Francisco Bay Area. Well, awesome. I'm going to have to come visit in Fort Myers. I'm not far from there. Uh, you know, of course, us being from Lakeland. Uh, one of the things that, that I think people don't realize is they can become a CFI rather quickly being a sport pilot CFI, can't they? And you talked about that today, didn't you? I did. I did a forum today on that very topic. And you can get your sport pilot flight instructor certificate with 150 hours total time. And with the new regulation change that's likely to come, uh, that time, currently the time that a sport pilot instructor gives counts only towards the sport pilot rating. That, uh, that doesn't carry through to the private pilot, but the new regulation will allow that time to count for private pilot, which means we can help fix some of the CFI shortage problems by having those 
guys, the sport pilot and girls, the sport pilot instructors, to be in facility and be able to bring people up to solo and light sport airplanes and take some of the load off and make money to pay for other ratings if they want to go on and go forward. You know, what if I'm someone who's thinking about doing this part-time as a, as a CFI sport pilot? You know, I'm already a sport pilot, and I want to start teaching people. Uh, can you help me? Oh, yeah. We, all you need is 150 hours. Come to our training facility, and we'll get you done. And the good thing is you get paid right after that. You'll never be out of proficiency again. You'll always be current as long as you're active in teaching, and uh, you won't have a $600 nut to crack at the end of the month trying to keep current. That'll be when you're teaching other, other people and, and they flying with you. It's pretty cool, CFI Boot Camp. Also, for those of us that are, are listening right now that are in general aviation and want to supplement our income, pay for our, our flying, this, this is a great opportunity, isn't it? I'm sure there's quite a few people that come to you that really don't want to do it as a career, but they do want to make some extra money. Many people come to us like that. Half our class is uh, retired or very near that. Half is younger, like 20, 30, 30s. And so there's plenty of people come just for that. So, all right, let's get a little practical here. Let's talk about the, um, you know, the market. Uh, I know Lightsport, remember 10 years ago, they are like, is this going to survive, et cetera. What's the practicality of getting your CFI Lightsport and going out and making some extra money? It's really good. It depends on your location. But with, when we couple it with the new rule changes coming out, this can really help almost anywhere. All they need is to have an LSA that they can teach from on, on, uh, on the company's uh, flight school side, and then the CFI can just begin working right there, doing the light sport thing first, and then uh, making money doing that and paying for the ratings as they go through. So it's a great time to, great time to be in it. So try to give us a little bit of color as to what, what's the issue now with someone going from the light sport to the private pilot and, and above. The issue now is that uh, the light sport rating, the flight instruction time that was acquired for the light sport doesn't count towards the private. So that's the, but as soon as the rule change comes, which I hope isn't going to be that far off in the distance, then we'll open up that, that market a lot more. Well, I sure hope that happens, boy, because, you know, you're flying and you're flying a light airplane and you're getting a lot of stick and rudder skills. Uh, as far as number of people that are wanting to get into the CFI, the, the light sport, have you seen increases because of the, the shortage of flight instructors out there? Yeah, we're starting to see that now. And also, the interesting thing is, and when I go around to flight academies, they're hiring uh, part-time, full-time, any kind of time. So people who are semi-retired or want to just work a few days or five days a week or, or less than that, they've got a place even at the larger flight academies now because there's such a shortage. Okay, you got me convinced. CFI boot camp. Work, I can do sport, light sport. I can do the CFI. I can do the CFI double I. What other, what other rating? You can do uh, sport pilot of instructor, you can do CFI airplane, you can do double I, and you can do MEI at our place. Awesome. I really think this is a great idea because you can do this on your own, you can do it at work, you can do it on your iPad, I mean, I'm sure it's multi-platform. Uh, one of the concerns, of course, is cost. So, so what's going to cost me as, as somebody looking to become an instructor? So for the light sport side of it, for a sport pilot instructor, it should range about sixty-five to seventy-five hundred out the door, and for the CFI airplane is around eighty-six hundred around that. That's about what it is. That includes all the airline, the aircraft training, et cetera. And uh, say I'm not sure I want to do it. Say I just want to go on and, and check it out. Maybe do my written exam. Can you help me out there? Sure. We have an online course that you take that will cover that. And the online course is very comprehensive. So that's where we start with everything. Is our online, that's, that's sort of our secret sauce is the online course. <laughs> and they can find you at? At CFIBootCamp.com. 
CFIBootCamp.com. Anything else, any specials that you're running either here at this show or in the future, somebody listening online? We don't have any current specials, but I would check the website to see what we're going to offer. Uh, we may be doing a program with individual flight schools, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Wayman, Wayman International is one of those schools, in case you're over in North Perry, that we're going to be doing some work with. And we may do something very well, maybe something there. Interesting. Anything else you want to tell us before we, we close? I think that'll do it. All right, awesome. And that's uh, CFIBootCamp.com. Mike Shiflett here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018. Thanks so much for speaking with us. You bet. Thank you. If you're looking for a rating and you're looking to get become a CFI, it's a great way to do it. I'm a big promoter of online uh, training and also technologies, and you can go anywhere and uh, and study right online at your tablet, etc. So I think that's, that's a great service that they're doing. Carl Valeri here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018. This is Carl Valeri at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018 reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast. And I am really excited to be hanging out at the Aviation Insurance Resources booth. And the reason being is not just because I'm here with Greg Ellsworth and, and we're going to talk insurance, which is an exciting topic, I know, for all, but uh, also because one of our favorite co-hosts, Victoria Newville, is actually an employee here at Aviation Insurance Resources. I don't see her here, Greg. Welcome to the podcast. Where's Victoria? She's back in the office. <laughs> Someone has to do the work. And Victoria, we, we really do miss you here today because it's a, it's a wonderful show. I know she gets out there on, on the road and, and she's a, a big proponent of aviation and also insurance. And I know she's helped me out quite a bit. Your company, uh, full disclosure, I've used you in the past and I think you've been great. Uh, your costs are good, your education is good, and you've been a great partner for me, the aircraft owner. So big hats off to you there. But we are at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo today. And for people thinking about purchasing one of these aircraft, we'll talk a little bit about insurance, you know, and what you folks can do to help out. So first of all, regularly certified aircraft, a lot of us ha have had them, right? I'm looking to switch over to light sport. Uh, are there any real differences in the insurance requirements? Not too different. I mean, you're looking at the make and model. Uh, if it's fixed wing, you know, if it's a gyrocopter, you know, so we're looking at the pilot experience, total time, make and model if they have any. If it's a tail wheel, we need to know their tail wheel experience. And then, of course, the value as well. I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, that the, the value drives a lot of insurance, I'm assuming. The hull coverage or aircraft damage coverage is a, a big portion of the annual premium. So the higher the insured value, of course, the annual premium is going to cost more. Because one of the things that I'm looking at when I'm buying an aircraft is between a used certified aircraft or, or a light sport, and I'm trying to figure out cost-wise what's the difference. And there could be a wide range. We could have a very inexpensive you know, aircraft, like an old 172, compared to that could cost me 25, 35,000, compared to 135,000 light sport. I, I'm assuming our a lot of it's going to be based on that price. Yes, it will. And just to give you an indication, you know, if you're a private or a sport pilot with a couple hundred hours um, in the price range that you're talking about, maybe 135,000 hull value, uh, you could be looking at anywhere from 1,600 to 2,000 in annual premium. Now that compared to an old 172, um, it may be you know, $700 a year. So there could be, that hull value is going to make a big difference. 
but you're not getting a new airplane, that's for sure. That's and that's true. what's cool about, about the light sport. And, and we've seen that there's many people like myself who want new, and we want something, and, and seem safer. You have some incredible instruments in there, uh, ballistic recovery systems, et cetera. Uh, also looking at certain things, like a ballistic recovery system, uh, does that re is that really going to affect my insurance much? There are a couple companies that give a discount for that, but part of our job is to check all the companies. And what we're finding is there's a big range in premium costs from the lowest quoted company to the highest. So the company that may give a discount may not be the best choice for your particular um, situation. So that's what we do. We check out all the companies. You know, uh, we're talking with Greg Ellsworth with uh, Aviation Insurance Resources. By the way, if you're listening right now, check it out on the internet, air-pros.com. We'll have a link on the website, but air-pros.com. Friendly folks, if you ever need a quote, if you want just some information, uh, they're more than willing to help them out, I'm sure, with just a phone call. That's right. You can give us a call, 877-247-7767. And Greg Ellsworth, I'll be glad to help you. So Okay, so now I'm listening, and I'm also thinking about doing some other things in aviation. Most of us are into all sorts of stuff in aviation. Some folks are getting it. Well, not some. A lot of people are getting into drones. A lot of people are getting into ultralights, et cetera. So how about those other avenues in aviation? What else do you folks insure? We insure drones as well, but we also insure pretty much everything aviation, from your flight schools, flying clubs, maintenance shops, you know, uh, uh, FBOs, hangars, you know, you name it, we try to do it. So if we talk to you, and I think this is something that's an important point to me, is if I'm trying to figure out different ways at putting my, say, partnership together, my club together, it's important to have, I think, a good broker in, in the insurance business that understands all the different avenues I can go. You know, we had this discussion yesterday. I was trying to figure out what to do with the aircraft, a club, et cetera, uh, and you gave me a lot of good information. I think that's something that's really important in having a, a good broker that has some real knowledge. I agree. You know, we've been in business, uh, I think we're on our 20th year. Most of us have been in aviation most of our life, either as pilots or other occupations. Uh, so having an agent that's appointed by all the major carriers is really important uh, to know that we're going to do everything we can to get you the best uh, terms. And it's important to know that you're here supporting aviation. I will say one thing, Air Pros is at a lot of different events. I know you're here at U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. I think you may have been at Sun and Fun. I think you're going to, what's that, Seaplane of Palooza or something? Uh, yeah, Victoria normally goes to that. And uh, I personally go to the um, Midwest Light Sport Expo in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Uh, this one is always on my list. And then, of course, we're in Oshkosh every year, too. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that one. <laughs> That's an important one. Hey, have you seen an uptick in, in the number of people buying the Light Sport in quotes, et cetera? I think that uh, we're starting to see more activity. It's been kind of flat the uh, last uh, year or two, but uh, this year there seems to be a lot more activity. And looking at the show here today, there's a lot more activity. Uh, so that I'm optimistic and hope that uh, it continues. Yeah, I'm really optimistic too. And seeing the numbers uh, from the folks here at the U-Sport Aviation Expo, they're talking about incredible increase up, upwards of 30 percent as far as ticket sales so we're going to see some more folks here tomorrow and and also the next day saturday we have an air show etc and really excited for that how about for somebody who's a commercial operator can you help someone like that out 
When you say commercial, you mean like uh, instruction and rental flight school? Yeah, we can certainly do that. We insure many flight schools. Awesome. And, and, and like I said, the great thing about AirPros is it's a more personal touch than you get with some of these bigger insurance companies. And, and the folks are real friendly. You can, you can ask them questions. They don't mind helping you out, and they'll take your time. So hats off to you for that, and, and really appreciate it. Anything else um, we should know about AirPros before we go? Uh, no, just uh, you know, check us out on the web or give us a call. We'll help you out. Air-pros.com and uh, Greg Ellsworth here at Air, Air Aviation Insurance <laughs> Resources, and you can find them at air-pros.com. Thanks so much for speaking to us. Thank you. The Carl Valera reporting for Stuck Mike Avcast at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018. Well, folks, Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting here at 2018 Sebring U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, and I am with the president of Sensenic propellers out of Plant City, Florida, not far away from here. And uh, if you've ever flown a plane, you've probably seen one of their propellers. Uh, and there's a lot of other applications. We were talking offline about this. Uh, but here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, uh, one of the things that, that you see out there on the line is quite a few of these propellers. Uh, you're here in Plant City. You produce propellers, both wood and composites right here in Plant City. So welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing here at the show. Sure, thank you. Uh, we're here at the show to display our propellers for light sport aircraft. We also have some of our uh, higher horsepower experimental aircraft propellers here for uh, like Vans RV and Glass Airs, Lance Airs, uh, Cub Crafters, those type of aircraft. But uh, mainly we're here to, to show our props for the light sport crowd. So we were talking offline before, and Sensenex has been around for a while, and if people don't realize they're in Florida, Plant City, but also originally from Pennsylvania. So how long have they been around, and where are they from? Let's t start there. Well, the, uh, the company started back in 1932, two brothers. They had a, uh, a sled, uh, air-powered sled, that they would tie to a rope in the uh, frozen Susquehanna River up in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. And they were uh, running this thing around, tied to this uh, pole in the frozen Susquehanna, and the rope broke. Sled went out of control, they broke their prop. Couldn't afford one, so they made one. Local pilots saw that, and they said, hey, can you make me a propeller? And that's how the business started. Um, we're still located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, building uh, fixed-pitch metal propellers for general aviation aircraft. But in 1994, due to the airboat market down here in Florida, they decided to move the wood propeller manufacturing to Florida. So we moved to Plant City, Florida, great town, central Florida, in 1994 to be closer to the airboat market. We, uh, we make all our fixed-pitch wood propellers here, and then in 1999, we started making composite propellers for airboats. Did that for five years, uh, learned a lot of lessons the hard way on airboats, and then we started manufacturing composite propellers for aircraft. So just uh, this is really interesting, actually, for people that don't understand that there's other applications for propellers, and there's a huge airboat uh, contingent. We were talking before I go to Okeechobee. There's quite a few airboats out there, and you used to see all wood on these airboats. That's actually changed, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We sell very few wood propellers for airboats. That's the reason we moved here, to make wood propellers for airboats, but uh, now it's 
it's probably 95% composite ground adjustable propellers for airboats. So how about for airplanes? Uh, since we are at an air show here, the uh, Sensen actually does the composite and the wood. Are more the wood propellers for the light sport or for other production aircraft? Our wood propeller manufacturing is mainly for antique aircraft. We do make some for light sport aircraft, but the light sport aircraft use a lot of ground adjustable composites. So antique aircraft uh, like Fairchilds and Pipers that, that have wood propellers, that's, that's our mainstay in wood propellers for aviation, but we make a lot of unmanned air vehicle propellers out of wood for the military drones. Not the small drones that people, everybody's flying around now, but these are uh, larger unmanned drones with 50 to, to 20 to 50 horsepower engines. Absolutely fascinating, you know, because like I said, if you're in and around aviation, you have no idea what el- what the other applications are as far as, as uh, the propellers are concerned. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about if I have a, a propeller and I want to place it on, say, my 172 or on my light sport, you know, what's what's the difference, uh, wood and composite, price and efficiency? Uh, efficiency, we uh, can get a little bit thinner with composites now, but none of our uh, composites are FAA certified. We definitely looked into that, uh, the cost and uh, the payback benefit on that just didn't make business sense. Uh, so we only make the uh, composite right now for uh, light sport and experimental. Wood and metal and composites, they all have their advantages and disadvantages. Metal propellers are very thin, very efficient. Um, we're very limited in what we can do with those because of them having to come out of a forging. A wood propeller, that's nature's composite. It's the original composite. A composite is a, uh, a fiber and a resin, and wood is cellulose fiber and water. So it's a, nature had composites before man ever made composite. Um, and you can do almost anything with wood. It's, it's awesome. It's relatively inexpensive, very easy to prototype. Uh, the disadvantage of wood is it's high maintenance. Out, outdoors, wood, so you got to take care of it. And then composites is kind of in between both. Um, it's a composite. Uh, we can make them very thin so they're efficient, and it's, it's definitely less maintenance than a wood propeller, maybe slightly more than a metal propeller. Well, that's fascinating because, you know, one of the things I've I got some really cool questions for you. I'm sure listeners are wondering. First of all, you know, on the, on the light sport, uh, I don't know if you have a feel as far as percentage-wise, how many are wood, how many are, are now composite? Boy, I would say it's at least 75% composite, 25% wood. Yep. Wow, that's incredible. I, I like what you said there. It's nature's composite is wood. Uh, you know, you know, cellulose and, and water, you know, it's, it's nature's composite. As far as the the propellers, I hope you don't mind me asking. I, you know people always want old propellers. What, what do you do with the broken wooden propellers? Generally, they uh, they go, go back to the customer. Usually the customer wants it. Um, we make propellers for display purpose only. So we make an authentic looking Piper Cub propeller for display purposes only. Well, that's awesome. I, I'm going to have to look you up then and, because I want to get one for, for over my desk at some point. Price-wise, uh, discussing the propeller costs and composite compared to wood, what's the advantage? 
Uh, wood it really depends on the application. Um, the certified propellers are relatively expensive because we have to maintain all that data for the FAA. Uh, we go under their review, and so you have to make sure everything's perfect there from a, a paperwork standpoint. We do all that same paperwork for all of our propellers. Um, but for certified propellers, there's definitely a cost there. Now, for experimental propellers, it's not the cost is not quite as much, and that's simply because even though we use the same quality system that we do for our FAA uh, propellers, we have to compete with those little mom and pop shops out there that are making, you know, that only have two employees and are making five props a month. So we have to compete. So we have to take less profit on those propellers. Metal propellers are relatively expensive because they come out of a forging. So you have to buy a forged aluminum uh, billet that's forged into a propeller shape before you can ever start machining it. So metal propeller is definitely the most expensive propeller. Composites aren't that far behind in price and then wood is a little bit less depending again on the application. We make very large wood propellers for like Stearman aircraft or even a Ryan PT-22 with a built-in plywood spinner and that's a very expensive wood propeller but most of them are, are less expensive than the other two. From an owner's standpoint, what do you see as uh, the biggest challenge for maintaining the propeller? Well, that's definitely a wood propeller and that's, that's bolt torque. A wood propeller will shrink or swell over time depending on the season. Um, for an example, let's say you live in Arizona and you've had your airplane there for years and you fly to Florida and you're going to be here for three months. Your prop is going to grow in the hub area when you're here in Florida after a month or two because it's going to take on moisture. I mean, there's no way to hermetically seal the, the propeller and keep the moisture out. It's living, breathing, it's wood and moisture. Um, so, and, and vice versa, if you live in Florida and you fly to Arizona, your prop's going to shrink. So bolt torque on a wood propeller, that's, that's the main thing you have to watch. How about in general, uh, just in general, people maintaining their propellers? Any advice as far as storage, where you are, operations, et cetera? Well, you always want to do a pre-flight check of your propeller. On a composite propeller, you want to really look right outside the hub where the blade exits the hub. That's usually, if there's ever going to be a problem, that's where it is. On a wood prop, you definitely want to look at it and make sure you don't see any cracks. Uh, a good adage is that a wood prop is as good as it looks. There's never going to be any hidden damage on a wood prop. And then a metal prop is what you're looking for there. If you get any nicks or sharp uh, dents in a metal prop, that can cause fatigue cracking at that point. So anytime you see something like that, that should be dressed out according to the manufacturer's instructions. Interesting. How about people that are interested in learning more about the propellers? They can actually go to sensinit.com, S-E-N, S-E-N-S-E-N-I-C-H dot -E -E com. Easy for me to say, or you can look on the show notes. This is Don uh, Rowell, who's actually the president of Sensenic. And uh, if there's our friends up in Pennsylvania, they're not here in the in the warmer weather right now, they want to go to Lancaster. Are you at Smoketown or over at the Lancaster Airport? Uh, we're right near Lancaster Airport. We're not on the airport, but we're across the street from the airport. Can we come visit? 
you may come visit and take a tour anytime at either at our Plant City facility or our Lancaster facility. Awesome. Anything else you want us to know about Sensenik and, and maybe any specials you might be running? Uh, right now, we just have some new propellers coming out for the experimental market, not so much a light sport, but uh, we're going up in horsepower. Uh, we're doing some larger propellers for Lycomings and, and Continentals, so awesome. keep a, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> we definitely will. It's got uh, quite the, the lineage here at Sensenik. It's been around a while, and uh, you know, obviously they have propellers down, and uh, great customer support from what I've heard from all the folks that own them, and uh, if you're looking for a propeller, you're looking for someone to talk to, these are, folks are really easy to talk to, so check them out, Sensenik.com. Uh, if you're at Light Sport Air Expo or possibly in the future at, say, Sun and Fun, and also Oshkosh. Check them out. They'll have a booth there. Thanks a lot for talking to us today. Thank you very much. The Carl Valeri reporting for Stuck Mike Avcast here at the 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Well, folks, this is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast right here at the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018. And I'm at Bristol Aircraft with John Rathmel, who's a sales manager. And, boy, I tell you what, this has been a great show. Let's talk a little bit about that first and then somewhat uh, the aircraft out here that you have on display. Welcome to the podcast and welcome back to U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Hey, Carl, thanks so much. We love it here. It's been really great for us the last few years, and this year is no exception. The weather hasn't been fantastic, but I'll tell you, uh, the quality of the leads and the folks coming in, just a pent-up demand for, for our type of airplane. And we just ha- so happy they've discovered us as a lifestyle choice. It's great. Yeah, I tell you, I love light sport, and I love the aircraft you have because it looks cool. And that's a big part of it, too. It's the presence. I hate to say it, but it's true. And, uh, but flying it, I- I've heard so many good things about it. Tell us a little bit about its handling qualities and what you have in a standard package in the Bristol. Sure. Uh, the Bristel is a really well known for its uh, benign characteristics, really laid back and relaxed, but it also still handles in a very sporty way. There's some stuff out there on YouTube if you go down and kind of look around for us a little bit. Bristel in the sky is kind of a fun picture, uh, uh, kind of a shoot that we did over at the, uh, at the factory get a look at our tail dragger uh, uh, we have a couple different models but the uh, airplanes typically kitted out with a Garmin package G3X so it's got the latest state-of-the-art um, avionics you could make these airplanes experimental and go IFR if you have a medical if you're just trying to stick to the light sport program this airplane has the biggest cabin width it's lighter faster and stronger than some of the competitors so we have a great range with a, with a great look I mean it really gets a lot of ramp appeal people see us on the ramp and just fall in love so it's a real lifestyle choice um, with this particular airplane so where are you located we're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, that's where the main office is uh, for us. We also have a facility out on Long Island, but primarily uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We even have a satellite grass strip down here in Florida called the Flying Palomino. The Flying Palomino, I gotta go check that out. That's pretty cool. Where is that located? That's over by Leesburg. Yeah, we have a little grass strip over there, about 3,000 feet. And so when the customers come down, we have a barbecue over there and kind of hang out with them. And it, one of the biggest things, we've kind of grown a really great collection of owners. And the owners are uh, fantastic. We've had a real blast getting to know them. We have a very steady uh, sort of a boutique goal of just doing about 20, 25 airplanes per year. We're not trying to set the world on fire with volume. What we want is quality. And the customers want that. They see we have high, very high quality standards in the airplane. Fit and finish is probably one of the best at the show. Lots of room, comfort in the airplane. And then on top of that, a really nice gang of folks that, that, that make this lifestyle pick. You've been around Light Sport for a little while. Uh, how long has uh, Bristol been here? 
Well, Bestel's been here in the country for uh, uh, five, six years. It's actually 2011, I guess, was a, was the first time they, they originally came over. And, uh, and now uh, we've been uh, in charge here for about three or four years, and uh, it's going real well. And the manufacturing? Uh, manufacturing, we're up to 300 airplanes over in the Czech Republic. Uh, and, and the designer has been steadily in the aviation for more than 20 years. F designed a lot of the uh, uh, vibration uh, uh, fatigue out of this particular airplane, so it's really quiet, uh, nice handling, and it, it really it speaks to you. But he doubled uh, production for us twice last year. He, he doubled volume twice and increased uh, square footage by about 20,000 square feet at the factory last year for us. So we, we've been doing real well with this airplane. So for the new pilot, this would be a, a good aircraft to start with. Sure. It would. We've got a lot of guys have sold uh, three or four airplanes to people who were not pilots. Wow, that's terrific. Tell us about the base price, what it's included. I think you just said, but uh, also what options I can go up to. Sure. Well, the airplane starts out at a base of about 129, and typically our customers are uh, up around 2 to 213, depending on what they're doing. I just spec one today for 165. Yeah, there's a complete range of avionics packages. If you decide you want to load it up, it can, that's where a lot of your, your expense can come from. If you want an injected engine, it's a little bit more money. Same thing is true with the uh, parachute. Uh, if you want to do a BRS recovery systems, and as you load up the airplane, it gets a little more pricey. Most guys come in with an idea, or gals and families come in with an idea of what they expect to, to pick as their budget range, and we can accommodate that pretty easily. What models do you have? We have uh, several different models. We have a turbo, we have a, a tail dragger, we have an injected uh, option. Of course, we have the carbureted, and the carbureted uh, 912 uh, Rotax is what comes with the airplane. So you, you can get a pretty plain Jane uh, kit with a simple stripe down the side for 160, 165. Okay, so you have ELSA, SLSA. So we have, have IFR. IFR. Yeah, we got the whole package. Yeah. yeah, I think some people don't understand that how you can go IFR in something like that. I'm glad you sure. brought that up. Sure. Explain that. Sure. Um, <clears throat> The, the regulations require that you have a medical if you want to go fly ins on instrument rules. If you want to rig up your own plane and then put in the experimental category, they don't restrict you from writing your own op operations limitations. And if you decide that you want to override the manufacturer's recommendation that you don't fly IFR, we allow that you can fly IFR but not IMC. So if you have a medical, you could basically allow for that to happen or train IFR. But if you wanted to file in the system, you can go ELSA, takes the airplane away from being able to be for commercial use. But then you can, for IFR purposes, file and fly IFR yourself. Right, right. So you have to get your instrument rating. And this is subtle. You have to get your instrument rating in another aircraft. But then you can actually do it here? Well, you can do the instrument rating in this plane. Right. No, you could but, do it. You could do okay. this. There, you could do all the training. You could do it. You could all. Right. Do, but however, you can't uh, do it uh, for commercial purposes as an LSA as an LSA pilot. Right. So there's some nuances there. You're very welcome to give us a call, and I'll walk you through if you if you need to know. Probably the best idea. Uh, safety. I, I think you touched on it. The BRS. Uh, that is something that's uh, become very popular uh, lately. Uh, from all your experience here, about percentage-wise, how many of those are you selling with the aircraft? Uh, about 10%. About 10% of the people really want to go with the parachute option or the or ballistic recovery system. We have BRS in, in these planes. Uh, and, you know, some of my most loyal customers, they, they wouldn't do without it. 
they, I know a guy, in fact, of a mutual friend of ours. He popped a chute on a, in an airplane that lost its engine capability. He said, I won't have one without it if I don't have to. Yeah. And you know that was a big part of his decision-making. Yeah. He definitely won one. Well, I actually have to have him on. I don't think we're going to mention names, but but he has been on the show before. We'll just say that. Well, this is terrific. I, I'd like to know what your feelings are as far as the show. I mean, as far as the uh, U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, I remember years ago we used to say, is this really going to happen? Is light sport going to happen? I, it is. It's here. It's here to stay. And, and people didn't realize that there is a market for new, sleek aircraft with all sorts of great avionics in there that you could fly out far if you had to. But obviously, you can't, but uh, legally in an LSA. But how, how's the market looking? The market's uh, really looking good for us. We've seen steady growth throughout this last uh, year and a half, and uh, it seems like growing momentum. We've already sold a couple shows, uh, aircraft here at the show. Uh, excuse me. So, yeah, this uh, this has been a really good show for us already. I mean, we're out of the blocks uh, this year really strong. That's great to hear. You actually sell, and and then we're in day two. The the big days are coming, so maybe we'll get a few more, few more sales. Hopefully, well, we see a lot of folks that are found out about us. Uh, our airplane is real a lifestyle. Again, it's a lifestyle purchase. So when fo- folks find out about us, they find out about us through the podcast and through YouTube and different other ways. They look a lot of these videos by Dan Johnson. Some folks you know that, that you'd be familiar with. Some great um, uh, folks with in- integrity. Uh, and a clear picture of where the industry's going, we fit right there at the top of that that category as a, people talk about a real airplane. These airplanes aren't ultralights, something just fabric that you're having fun in your farmer's field at the back at the back of your farmer's field, waiting for the weather to get bet, better. Uh, for instance, today we got um, 17 Gus 25 out here, and I just did a demo with a customer in this real airplane. Uh, and it's, a, it's about 30 knot crosswind. These airplanes are real cross-country birds that goes you know, comfortably six and a half hours. They're going 120 knots for real, and they have a really phenomenal touchscreen IFR package from Garmin. I don't know if it gets any better than that. No, it sure doesn't. How about comfort? How about for some chunkier guys like me? 52 inches uh, across, so you get the widest in class. This particular plane has widest in class. You got room for two airline bags in the back and 44-pound wing lockers. You can take as much stuff as you want to haul with you, and it's got one of the best useful loads of any of the of the the larger LSAs. And the construction is? This is all aluminum uh, with uh, carbon fiber uh, elements uh, built into it. Um, and normally an airplane is going to weigh in between 725 and 770, something like that. Uh, if you really load it down with PRS and turbo and all that kind of stuff, you can see an airplane up over 810, 8, 830. Speaking with John Rathmel from uh, Bristel Aircraft, you can find more at bristelaircraft.com, and I'm sure you have staff there that can answer phones, too. All day long. Please feel free to give us a call. You can find our number pretty easy. And, and obviously they know their stuff, and, and they're willing to share their knowledge, which is terrific. Uh, how about support? Well, one of the things that we think is the highest on the list is that support. So we've got a, a very robust uh, maintenance network, and uh, when you call us looking for information, you'll get a human. Yeah, that's always nice to hear a human at the other end instead of an email or I'll get back to you on the voicemail. Yeah, Lou's uh, my uh, business partner, Lou Mancuso. Of course, you can find him at uh, thelandingdoctor.com. 
Uh, Lou's famous for uh, his uh, uh, mission statement. We want to make our customers ecstatically happy. <laughs> I love that. Uh, any specials during the show or afterwards and uh, maybe on the Internet that they can find? Well, one of the things is we keep selling through every production slot that we can have. So uh, a special would be give us a call and uh, talk to us about how you can meet up with us and get a demo. Uh, but as particularly... It, the, the, the customer base, we're going through our, our slots. We're six months out on production, and I can't get enough slots to sell all the airplanes we're being asked for. So, so show special. I, other than calling and, and making yourself known to us, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, hey, it's a great airplane, fit and finish, and Bristol Aircraft. Uh, great talking to you. Anything else a customer should know about Bristol? Uh, I, I think the best thing to know is that we've been around for a while and uh, and it's, we build a really nice group of customers. We, that's more, probably our biggest asset is our customer base. So if you want to call me and ask or get some familiarity with, with how how it is to be a customer, I'll give you some names of a couple customers that are always glad to share. John Rathmel, good guy, great plane, and we'll hopefully see some more sales this year. Carl Valer with uh, Stuck Mike Avgast here at U.S. Sport Aviation 2018. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Carl. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for listening to this episode, and don't forget to listen to our, our episode for tomorrow, day three, some really cool interviews there. Uh, a little bit longer interviews and, and less interviews, but but some really good stuff. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page at stuckmikeavcast.com, uh, facebook.com slash stuckmikeavcast, and additionally, our Instagram account, instagram.com slash stuckmikeavcast. And of course, please visit our sponsor, Aviation Careers Podcast, career coaching, scholarships for all ages, inspiring you to reach your aviation career goal through a free podcast visit aviationcareerspodcast.com i hope to see you back tomorrow for day three some really cool interviews a lot of fun even though it was windy at the event we had a blast wasn't quite as much flying but it was great to speak with all the manufacturers and those folks with products see you tomorrow you've been listening to the stuck mike abcast Members of the Stuck Mike Avcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.